Hello and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator coaching process at jeffmeyer.org. You can click on the Move Forward Anyway tab and watch all of these episodes in video form, or you can download wherever you like to get your podcasts from. I'm your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach, Jeff Meyer. Hey, fellow dreamers. Welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you are checking in on this episode of my podcast, Move Forward Anyway. And I have a special guest with me today, a friend, an entrepreneur, um, a risk taker of epic proportions, a New Englander, uh, Paul Castiglione. And it's good to reconnect, brother, with you. It's been too long since we've last talked. Thank you so much for taking the opportunity to share a little bit about your dream and uh, the pursuit that you've been on for these last, uh, wow, when was it when we were in Philly together? Was that four years ago already? My goodness. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, at least three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four years ago, we were roommates in Philly yeah. at uh, an elite business intensive where we were both exploring and trying to build a plan uh, to execute on our dream and to actually turn it into a monetary um, uh, source of livelihood for ourselves. But more importantly than that, to actually make it a thriving um, business to bless, to bless others. And that's why I'm so excited about having Paul on today is because what he's up to um, just really warms my heart. And it's so needed in all of our communities uh, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, Paul, thank you for being on, uh, tell us a little bit about open kitchens project. Uh, maybe start by just telling me what is the most recent win that you've had a success, something to celebrate because, you know, since March, um, and the lockdowns and the pandemic, uh, we've had to, both of us have had to adjust and shape our, our dreams a little bit differently and respond to that pandemic. Um, and so it's been really hard. It's been a hard season. Uh, so I want to start with a success. What do you have in terms of a story uh, from your work um, that you'd like to celebrate today? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great way to start. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, let me start with the success. I'm, I'm tempted to frame it around, you know, all of the challenges over the last year. But yeah, uh, I'll just say, so the heart of Open Kitchens is really bringing people together, you know, um, across, you know, uh, di diverse diversity. Um, and that could be, you know, cultural diversity or, you know, ideas or just in, in whatever way people, we individually identify with, you know, a certain tribe or group and, uh, and then creating space for people to kind of meet people across that divide um, and recognize that, you know, there's a unity, not in, you know, common thinking, but a unity in, um, in through our diversity. So a, a, a recent win is, you know, just this week actually is, um, um, so, what we're offering now through several years of uh, learning how to bring people together, um, particularly over food and cross-culture, is uh, offering 
our service to nonprofits uh, and churches. So, you know, creating space for people to be able to uh, come together, to be able to have conversation. And we have a certain, you know, um, structure to the conversations and a certain structure to kind of the event. There's a purpose, uh, a very specific purpose uh, that we help um, organizers identify and then invite others into. Um, so yeah, so when is, uh, there's uh, three nonprofits that, uh, that we're talking to uh, right now, just this week, uh, that all came up. Um, we'll likely do two events in February and, and one shortly thereafter. And it's, it's, you know, it's a, a new kind of area in which we're testing out, but uh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, uh, you know, being a leader of a, um, a church myself in Madison, the challenge to get people together and the, the way that organizations that used to have events that have to think about how to gather when they can't gather, you can actually offer a service to them to facilitate for them, almost like a third party, um, you know, person that comes in and, and, uh, and leads the conversation. I'd love to know, do you help those organizations figure out what the goal is for the conversation? Mm -hmm. Or do you tell them what the goal is for the conversation? Uh, well, I mean, for, you know, kind of what we've learned over the last couple of years is, um, is really helping people connect. Really, it's, I call it a next generation TED Talk. Um, so TED Talks are inviting people to see the world in a new way uh, through a one-to-many presentation. Uh, what we do is provide a, a structure that allows uh, somebody who has a unique perspective on the world that they've learned through their own kind of life experience. Uh, we help them uncover what exactly that is and then how they can invite others to see the world from their perspective, not from you know, the organizer's perspective, but actually asking meaningful questions that help others uh, to see the world differently through their own experiences. So, and we do that, um, so there's a, we help them kind of define this aha, um, you know, this kind of valuable thing that they've discovered about the world. Um, create questions that invite people step-by-step step into that aha through telling their own stories and experiences in uh, small groups, either one-on-one -on -one or in, in kind of small gatherings. So everyone's sharing their own experiences um, and are, learning from hearing other people's experiences. Wow. So can you give me an example of an aha yeah. that someone shared in an environment pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Um, they shared an aha. And how did that group rally around that or engage with that? Yeah, thanks. I love telling these stories because I could, I could feel it right now. It's so satisfying. Yeah, um, so one was, was uh, one of our early events, and it's uh, these um, two women who, are, who belong to the same church uh, started an organization to help provide free legal service to immigrants. Um, and uh, the Agency Alpha is the, uh, the name of the uh, organization. So I invited them to curate an event. One of my neighbors wanted to, they, they felt very passionate about this kind of immigration conversation. It was becoming hyper- relevant and aware um, under the you know, last administration. So they wanted to invite their friends and neighbors to this passion that's theirs around immigration. So these uh, two women came and curated the conversation. Their aha is, um, uh, was really around this idea of 
how do I connect? Because there's, I think there's a couple of different ways we think about immigrants in our country, you know, legal and illegal and, um, you know, mm. do immigrants, you know, are immigrants dragging us down or are they building us up? You know, there's, it, it's kind of a dualistic perspective, I think many of us hold around uh, immigration from a, a bunch of different perspectives. So, so they really wanted to invite people to connect, to identify uh, with the immigrant experience. And so the three questions that they asked, the first one was, what is community? And so they asked it in a one-to-many, so there was kind of popcorn answers. Uh, the second question was, um, how does community make you feel? And people talked about, oh, you know, it's work and neighborhoods and, you know, how lovely it is. And the third question, which is this kind of creates a, it's meant to create a cognitive dis dissonance, is why would you leave that community? And people were like, I wouldn't leave it. I just said how much I loved it. Like, why? I, I, I wouldn't leave it. And she had to ask it three times, you know, and people were like, uh, oh, wait a minute, like if I had to leave it, why would I leave it? Well, it's because of finances or I'm being harassed or you know, persecuted in some way. There's some dramatic reason why I'd want to leave this community that's beloved. And, and she summarized at the end, she says, there's 63 million people in migration around the globe today. And every single one of them had to make, had to answer that question that I just asked you as to why they would leave. And at the end, people came up and said, Oh my word, I've never thought about it from that perspective. They're like, how can I, how can I get involved and try to be helpful in this problem? You know, I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. Can we meet every two weeks until we come up with some solid ways in which we could, you know, practically be helpful? So say that again, 63 million. Yeah, people around the globe. Around the are, globe are have in had migration. to make that tough decision. Yeah, currently, right now, there's 63 right now. million. And it might be bigger, I don't know right now, this was uh, about a year ago. You know, she said, yeah, right now there's 63 people who are in migration, who are refugees, who are on the move, who've left their homes and their communities uh, for one reason or another. Yeah. Wow. So they were part of a community that they loved and something dramatic happened to cause them to have to make a decision to leave. Wow. And now, the desire for community is it's, I mean, it's part of the human condition, right? We all, we all want to belong. Yeah. So where do I find that belonging? And I think that's what's so cool that I remember about sitting in the room with you in Philly um, is this dream to help people belong. I mean, that's really mm. the essence of what I remember you when you're talking about this open and using food, because food is a really, uh, important part of belonging, right? We, we table together, you know, that's so important to eat together and to share a meal together. Um, so you haven't always been doing this, Paul. You've only been up to this for four years or so. Um, before yeah, that, be, before the shift, you were in corporate America, right? Yeah. So, yeah, what prompted, what was the genesis of the dream? Why, why did you decide to, to leave a comfortable corporate, regular paycheck, health insurance, uh, the comfort of making good living and pursue this to working with immigrants and helping people find community? Yeah. Why, you're nuts, man. Why would you do something like that? <laughs> You know, that, you're nuts, like I think about that many mornings. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, 
it's it's step by step, honestly, and it's connected with my uh, uh, faith journey, um, honestly, and 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 my own kind of um, you know my own personal experience. So going through a divorce like woke me up. It was like, oh wait a minute, like mm. there's like this is unjust. Like one day I have a house and I have a family, I have a you know a daughter, and the next day, you know my bags are on my lawn my in front of my house and the the door is locked you know uh that that just felt like extreme injustice it mm. wasn't extreme injustice honestly you know um i have lots of stories of, of you know that that trauma mm -hmm. and and it opened my eyes to like the sense of well, i didn't deserve this you know and there's this whole system that's in place that is um, you know, kind of persecuting me. And, and I'll just say this, like, there is no justice in divorce, right? There's no way that life is going to be okay for everybody because you're taking one household, splitting it into two. So, you know, I mean, there's just no justice in that. Um, but it allowed me to be able to see that, whoa, like I thought my whole life, like I, I deserved what I had and, and it was good. And, uh, but then suddenly I saw, whoa, there's this injustice, like injustice exists in the world. And it opened my eyes to see other injustice in the world. Like, you know, this idea that, you know, America is a meritocracy, you know, and if you work hard, you're going to succeed. And if you, mm. you know, then the reverse is true. Like you either made poor choices or, you know, you, um, you, you know, you didn't work hard, like you get what you deserve kind of a thing. And I realized, no, actually this opened my eyes to see that that's not the case. So if that's not the case, I, I could suddenly see other injustices that were going on. And this idea of immigration I was a part of it. My father was an Italian immigrant, you know, first generation. And, um, you know, and I, I know that, you know, he wouldn't say, you know, he's funny. I, I don't think he would say that, that there was a hardship in that, but the stories that I heard, it was hardship, you know, in, in coming to another country. And yeah, and then it's just, it's step by step. I worked for a nonprofit that was focused on building diverse community and, you know, got to know immigrants and, and I would go into the, this community and, Bangladeshis and Ethiopian folks from different places around the world. And, and every time I went there, um, the woman would say, eat, sit down, have something to eat. And I was like, okay. And so I'm enjoying this food from around the world. And I'm yeah. like, well, I, you know, like people in my corporate world would love that. I wonder if there's, and they have wealth. I wonder if there's a way that, you know, that wealth could be connected to, you know, this a beautiful, amazing food and experience. And, and I also saw that as I got to know people in that immigrant community, like they saw the world in a unique way, which was beautiful and unique. And I thought that's a value to people who are stuck in this kind of like grind. So. So I was a, through pain, I write about this in my book that sometimes dreams are birthed out of pain and loss. Um, they're not necessarily always born out of a happy part of our lives. You know, it's, and sometimes it takes it takes loss to help us open our eyes and see you know see things from a different perspective and being able to lean into that and discover what my part in that is going to be so you you decided somewhere along the line to just pack your bags in corporate america and start this venture yeah. And, and, you know, as I, as I 
walked out each, you know, and it was a faith journey. So, you know, I, I use the analogy of being, you know, going further and further out on this smaller and smaller branch, you know, as I stepped out and experienced something meaningful. I, I wouldn't say awesome necessarily. I mean, it might've been, but it was meaningful. Like it might've included suffering, but it was meaningful, you know, or it was awesome. But, you know, as I gained confidence and going further and further out on the limb. Um, but one of the thoughts too, that just comes to mind is, um, you know, like my new dawning awareness wasn't well received. Like, it wasn't like, wow, Paul, like this new awareness that you have of the world. Wow. You know, tell me about it, bring it in, you know, like this will help. What goodness. No, there was a lot of like pushback from my family and friends and like, that's crazy. But then over time, you know, there's like, it's like finding your tribe. It's like finding your space. People start to listen, um, you know, over time. And then it's deciding, do I want to listen to those voices that say I have something valuable to offer or not? And then I start to test it and, and it's satisfying and then it's painful and it's satisfying and painful anyway. Talk to me about the resistance to listen to the people that are encouraging you. Why would you, why would we as entrepreneurs ever um, want to not listen to, hey, Paul, that's a great idea. Why would we ever want to resist that? <laughs> I have an answer in my own life, but I want to hear your answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm interested in hearing. Uh, and maybe it's a lie. I don't know. I mean, mine is... Um, well, you know, anybody could do what I do, you know, is, is the first thought. And then I come to the realization of, no, you don't know, this is actually pretty unique. I could buy that this is unique. And then, and then the next thought is, which is where I am quite often now, is, yeah, it's unique, but is it unique in a kind of crazy Uncle Joe kind of way? Or is it, uh, <laughs> or is it unique in a way that, you know, offers something valuable? Um, you know, and that that crazy uncle Joe thought is on my mind quite often. So yeah, you know, they think it's good, but you know, it's like mom loves my singing, you know, yes. kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, so I'm going to go try out for American Idol because mom <laughs> likes my singing. <laughs> That's the thought. And you're the one that has to invest and work it yeah. and, and overcome the hurdles and the barriers and, not the people who are saying it's a good idea. And so I guess I asked the question because for those of us who are watching this or listening to this podcast, and maybe you have an idea, you have a spark in your heart about something you want to do um, that you're feeling called to, but it's a little, it's a little edgy and it's going to call for some risk. You may be experiencing some fear and some anxiety around it. You may be experiencing self-doubt. Um, imposter syndrome is huge. Mm -hmm. Like if I do this and talk about community and relationships and someone finds out that I'm just as messed up as the next person, uh, they're going to say, hey, you're not any different. Um, I mean, I struggle with that writing a book. Like there, people read this are going to find out that I don't live all of this out perfectly that I'm talking about in the book. I'm an imposter. I called all those things second voices. Um, and boy, do they, do they come up, right? A second voice that tries to talk us out of the idea or talk us out of the pursuit or the next step telling us, like you said, a couple of really common ones are, oh, someone else can do this way better than me. 
-hmm. or someone else has already done this. So what am I doing it for? Or do I have the chops to carry mm -hmm. it off, make it happen? Um, I don't know enough, you know, so I just, I am so thankful that you have taken the steps and you're continuing to take the steps and made the decision to go for it in spite of all the emotions that that stirred and continues to stir in you. Um, I always think about uh, dreams. A lot of times dreams are created out of a, a problem that exists. There's a, there's a problem that exists and the entrepreneur, the dreamer thinks, I need to do something to fix that or to solve it. Um, what is the problem that Open Kitchens is solving? You talked about community. What's the problem? Injustice. Uh, are there other problems that Open Kitchens is solving? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, as, you know, I mean, our whole focus to start was bringing people together face to face, you know, over a meal um, and this kind of taking this kind of ancient approach to connection, um, you know, with a modern twist, you know, with this idea of connecting people via reputation online, um, you know, and the problem being really this like, so what is the problem? And as, as we're continuing to, um, you know, adjust because nobody's getting together face to face now. Yeah. So what's relevant and what we're doing, if anything, you know, and I feel continued encouragement to keep going. So anyway, I guess I'm probably saying that all out of self-protection providing this kind of context, but um, it's a relevant question. It's one that I, you know, I just went for a walk with my partner yesterday. It's, it's one that we're continuing to look at. And I think it's the conclusion that I'm coming to is, is, is really, it's this one of uh, dignity. Um, do each one of us have a value? You know, and how is that value uh, defined? Um, you know, is it is the value defined based upon our bank account, or is our value defined? So, so what is the problem? The problem is, is um, where do I find my value? Um, so, if if I'm looking to my bank account or my job title or the company I'm working for or the tribe that I belong to, you know, for my value. Um, you know, how solid is that? Like the whole world has, has been shaken with this pandemic. Um, mm. So how, how can we create other ways, you know, other uh, systems, you know, new ways of, of us kind of finding our value, our voice, our, um, you know, and bring it to the world, you know, so the, yeah. Wow. So at that, core. That is a, that is a lofty, <laughs> problem. I mean, that is a lofty goal yeah. to solve that problem. Yeah. You're not inventing, you're not inventing a zipper or a button <laughs> to solve, you know, you're not, you're not creating a widget um, that solves a problem, um, which are great. I thank God for all the inventions that help make our lives easier, but you're talking about a soul, a soul deep problem in trying to provide um, the context for the solution to be discovered for each person. And that is, that's, that's a huge task. And so you talk about being an intense individual and, um, you know, really thinking deeply about things. I, you know, I think it takes someone like you to be able to 
to make a dent in this problem, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and I, and I, the thought that comes to mind is, you know, again, um, uh, you know, uh, self-protecting here is, uh, is recognizing with humility that is a huge problem and, and it's not mine to, to own, but it's like, what part of that can I be helpful with? Yes. You know, um, you know I, like two, three years ago when we were getting started, you know, with these kind of gatherings, there were very few opportunities outside of kind of social media uh, that, that were available for people to kind of gather. I mean, social media and church and faith communities. Um, and, and now there's more, um, you know, spaces for people to be able to gather and connect. And so constantly asking myself, so where, what is my, what, what is my unique story, my unique value? Uh, how can that, how can I package that? What's the vehicle for me to, to, you know, bring that, you know, bring uh, mm -hmm. a blessing to the world. Yeah. You have inevitably faced uh, challenges. Every, every dreamer, every successful dreamer does. Um, every entrepreneurial venture has challenges and barriers. What have been some of your biggest challenges and barriers since the inception of this, when you decided to go for it? Um, it it's like every step of the way. It only... Um, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, hey, only using uh, cursed words when extra emphasis is needed. So I'm getting all kinds of curse words flashing through my mind because the emphasis, I, I'm looking for emphasis, man. It's like every step of the way, you know, like just when, oh yeah, like we figured out something that works, like, you know, something blows up, you know, and mm -hmm. talk about like, so, you know, and I'm also very careful. Like I, I don't want to set expectations too high. I want to test everything. So there was a long season of, you know, informational interviews. You know, how, what is the vehicle? How do, how do we define it? And then once we had a vehicle, it's like, how do we test it to see if anybody, anybody would care about it, whether they love me or not. And then how do people beyond who I know, you know, what, what do they see value in it? And, and then how do we grow? So like, just like, just for example, like the beginning of last year, we started at our live event, started seeing more and more people show up. You know, we had at our last event before the pandemic hit, we had 70 people show up, which for us was felt really satisfying. You know, mm -hmm. um, we're, we could see some, some growth and some trajectory. I had my business plan, you know, sustainable by summer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, and then, blah. And then a global pandemic hits, you know, just for <laughs> example, you know, for what, example, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. A global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, if we would have been sitting in Philly together, trying to stretch out our dream scenario, build our business plan, right? We held each other accountable for a while there afterwards. And if I would have introduced us, so how does your plan take into account the possibility? <laughs> of a global pandemic yeah to me and said what yeah <laughs> right How, yeah you can't make this stuff up yeah <laughs> no it's yeah oh so how do you keep moving forward anyway yeah that is a great question and i asked myself that honestly i asked that 
question every day, every morning as I, as I'm praying, you know, and then meditating, it's like, all right, you know, what am I meant to do today? And I, I like, so, you know, after we shut down in March, you know, there was a season because I had my financing all, you know, kind of focused on, you know, my business plan, you yeah, know, right. and, and, um, and so when that hit, it was like the worst possible moment, moment, my, you know, my friends and family around was just coming to a conclusion. And um, anyway, so, so there was a season of grieving, like, uh, you know, deep grieving, like mixed with panic, honestly. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, and then the pandemic unemployment assistance, you know, became a reality. And, and honestly, in the midst of that, you know, prayer has been um, maybe similar, I could view it similar to like a, um, uh, what's that antidepressant drug that you take when you need it in an emergency? Prozac or, or something like that. Oh, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's this idea of like, oh, like I'm panic. And then I, you know, I, like, what's the way through? And then through prayer, meditation, it's, you know, wh where's the answer? And then gaining some level of peace, you know, that I'm, I'm bringing myself to the table. This is my reality. But all to say is like, um, the way I keep going is, yeah, through meditation, contemplation, prayer. For me, I call it prayer. And I, I do have context for a living God, you know, who connects us all, mm -hmm. you know, uh, this collective unconscious. And and so I rely upon that. I, I make these decisions intuitively and I, I kind of lean on, on, you know, making decisions based on what brings me peace. And so there was a long season of grieving. I, I didn't want to just jump into what I saw a lot of others who were doing in-person events doing, which was just bring it into a Zoom call, you know, and keep going. And we did, we did try it out eventually, you know, over the summer. To be honest with you, it, it wasn't as magical as the live events. The live events were really, really magical. I mean, right. people consistently walked out like, this is unbelievable. And then they come back again and again. And um, so the Zoom calls didn't have that kind of magic. And mm -hmm. so that was discouraging. And so then this idea of, well, maybe we could package what we learned and be helpful for organizations that want to connect with groups of people who don't know one another. And, um, you know, and... So churches is one, um, nonprofits is another, bringing their donors together. Um, another is uh, um, like um, consumer brands that are uh, focused around lifestyle, um, you know, bringing you know, their groups together. So, so that's kind of where we're landing. I, I've been doing uh, training for organizations that uh, want to train leaders to have these kind of connective, you know, uh, gatherings, you know, small group gatherings where they invite people to be able, you know, who are kind of on the fringes to be able to engage. So it's, yeah, I'll just take a breath there. I can tell you have what there, we're going to do next. Have there, have there been any positives of the pandemic to your business plan? Ha, has there been any positive as a result of the global pandemic hitting and shutting down your plan? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually, in an odd sort of way. Like, the thing that I, I started, um, contemplating early on was okay so you know there's this pandemic what would I have not seen if there wasn't a pandemic like what about the way I'm envisioning the problem or the solution you know what we're delivering mm -hmm. like what would I have not seen if there wasn't a global pandemic and um and there's 
there's been a lot of uh, insight that's come from that. And, and one is ways in which I, I'm tempted to hide. Oh, we'll, we'll do this um, just to test, you know, just to see what happens. Not, not this test, but really we'll try this as a way of leading to that versus just going for the that. Um, and just recognizing that, you know, the that is what I'm really after. Like that's the essence of, of what I want to do. So, you know, it, it really cl was clarifying, I guess, um, in a way. Do you have, uh, you mentioned prayer as a help and meditation, connecting with the living God that kind of uh, breathes peace and helps you guide your decisions based on that as a helpful piece to move forward anyway. What else? Like, are there people that have been really important? Um, have there been investors that have helped uh, financially so you can keep risking moving forward anyway? What, what are some other things that might help people on this, listen to this podcast, feeling like they want to give up um, where they could search out for support? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think a big one, and this is just reinforced this week, actually, is um, is connecting with people who are, who are, um, I mean, I, I would do it corporate, you know, in my network kind of a thing, but it's, it's really um, beyond that. It's, it's people who, who, who are in this, who share a similar vision or you know, have experience in, in the space, mm -hmm. not just, you know, experience in a practical sort of way, like, um, you know, I want to open up a gas station, so I'm going to talk to other gas station owners, but, but really it's, it's uh, people who are trying to solve the problem in, in kind of unique ways. And, and, um, you know, like Priya Parker, for example, wrote uh, The Art of Gathering, and um, she's just deeply insightful. And, I likely won't have a conversation with her, uh, but I look at what is her experience? You know, um, what are credentials that she has? You know, what kind of, you know, background does she have? What communities are she, is she part of? And, um, you know, and kind of, you know, learn from those. Uh, there's other people who are closer to my network who I, I have talked to. Like I just talked to uh, this really cool guy on, on um, earlier in the week and, you know, he, he's like, I don't know, the way I think about it is, is, um, you know, there's people who I've been trying to talk to for years and who never had time for me. All of a sudden now in a pandemic, suddenly they have time and I'm able to connect with those people. Mm. And, you know, not everything, he says 95% of my business dried up in, in a week, you know, at the start of the pandemic and hasn't returned, you know, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, so I'm just talking to lots of people um, you know, making new relationships, existing relationships. I've got lots of uh, weekly or biweekly or monthly calls with folks on the one hand. And then on the other hand, I'm just reaching out to new folks and, and saying, what are you up to? Like, how are you making it work? What do you envision? Like, um, yeah. And I think, I think our conversation right now is yeah. a, a similar conversation. It's been a while since we've talked and maybe we can provide encouragement to each other. So you know, I think it's a great reminder for us as entrepreneurs is, especially those of us who are introverts, <laughs> that it's really important to stay connected um, and keep the conversation going with others who can really provide some insight for us. And, and 
discover some partnerships where they might be available too to help us. Uh, I think the partnerships that you've searched out with um, nonprofits and, and churches and uh, other people who are struggling to try to figure out now it takes even more intentionality to get people to gather and connect. Um, they need your help, man. Uh, they need help to learn how to talk about the deep things of life. Um, so your intense, introspective self is really needed in the world today, brother. And uh, I'm grateful that you haven't given up. Um, I want to ask a real practical question, if I could. Um, that is, uh, sometimes with entrepreneurial, uh, when I work with entrepreneurs in my dream accelerator, there's an idea someone has that will solve a problem that is very difficult to think about how to monetize. Mm. So I'm sure you were there at some point with this, like, how can I make a living doing this? How can I survive doing this in our American culture? Um, I've had a lot of people just dismiss dreams out of hand because there's not an easy, how do I get paid? And so let me just ask that real practical question. I know that you don't get in, you didn't get into this for the, for the checking account, but I also know that you need to live and you need to provide for your daughter and yourself and others. Um, so how have you monetized getting people to come together and enjoy food? I think there might be a valuable lesson in here for some people who are listening. Yeah, I, that's a great, such a great question. Um, there's a, a couple of different ways that's bouncing around in my head as to how to answer it. Um, I think, uh, uh, two things come to mind. One, just briefly is, uh, is resetting expectations, right? Like I remember thinking, ah, like, you know, like I, I, I can't, you know, I can't do this because, you know, I need at least 10,000 a month, like to live, you know, to cover my expenses and stuff. So how, how do I, like, how do I go from zero to 10,000 a month, you know, in the next six months or a year yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so one is resetting expectations about what you actually need, um, you know, to live. And, uh, uh, hmm. so I don't need 10,000 a month anymore. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is, um, is nowhere near that, you know, I mean, just to be, I mean, just to be practical, like it's, it's 2000 a month is, you know, what I'm living on now. Um, huh. you know, so, uh, just to be plain about it and, um, so that's one. And then the other one is, um, it's being really like a lot of innovation could come around pricing and packaging, you know, there's the classic five P's in marketing. Um, so being creative around pricing and packaging, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how pricing and packaging, you know, creative ways of pricing and packaging, um, you know, can lead me to get, you know, hundred bucks here. 500 bucks there. Um, and, and this is honestly, this is the place I am right now. 
even over the last few years, you know, I, I've, I've done my projections based on, all right, I don't need a ton of money right now. You know, we're going to price and package it, you know, based upon, you know, scale, you know, 5,000 people being engaged with the project or, you know, whatever, you know, so at, you know, month three, we'll break, you know, we'll break even and be able to, you know, pull a living wage out of it. I, I like right now I'm at this place of no, I, like I need money like right now. So how, how am I going to get 500 bucks or a hundred bucks or, you know, can I package up, you know, like just being really like, it's gotten really real for me. Like if I want to continue with the project, that's the place that I need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought about, Oh, I could, you know, get funding or something like that, but I, I don't really want to do that. And I'm feeling real encouragement to just, yeah, be laser practical. You mentioned the five P's of marketing. What are those? Oh gosh. I don't know if I can remember price, uh, packaging, positioning, um, promotion, and one other one. I can't remember. Sorry to put you on the spot. I'm just no, very no, interested in that. I'm, I've learned to be Yeah, and we, we talk a lot about creating an offer, right? Um, how, how does the offer get, and the offer is more than um, just the one thing. There might be the event, but then there might be follow-up conversations as a part of that package. There's also the opportunity for membership, like being part of the membership of a, a local community that continues to gather and support each other. Um, I am, um, I have a, just let me share this quick story. We've got a, a guy here in Madison who runs a restaurant and it's been closed since March, March 10th, wow. basically. And he hasn't reopened because um, he, he wants to provide safety for the community. Well, he has done so many different things um uh to to continue to provide food good food um it's uh liliana's restaurant in madison and it's a a louisiana cuisine and my family purchased my daughters i have four daughters they purchased a christmas present for amy and i and it was a cooking session together Mm -hmm. where he sent each of our households we all live separately now my my adults my girls are adult children and they all got a package of food for the meal that we were going to prepare together he got on a zoom call with us that night and we spent two and a half hours preparing um uh this wonderful meal together and he showed us how to do it how to prepare it he had a a portal facebook portal in his kitchen and he was cooking it up along with us. And we were all on separate Zoom calls. And we had the most wonderful meal and celebrated each other. And what's really cool about that, Paul, is that after that, my, my girls said, we need to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Not paying him for it anymore, but we need to do this as a family. So that's part of the creative packaging you can't go to enjoy the meal at the restaurant anymore, but he can help you prepare a good meal and bring the family together. And or I, I think there's some beauty in that that probably wouldn't have happened before the pandemic. Uh, yeah, totally. This idea of, yeah. I, I mean, I recognize ways just to riff off that. I, I recognize ways in which I used to go to a Red Sox game and feel like, oh, I'm in community, you know, or or even just like, swing by the ice cream place, you know, on the way home, like, oh, I'm feeling 
like I need connection and sweetness. And anyway, <laughs> um, but there is going to be, I believe, like right now we're experiencing it, and I think it'll continue is, is being much more intentional about connection. You know, am I going to be satisfied with being one of 10,000 people in a stadium, you know, um, yeah. when I've discovered there's these other ways to kind of connect at a much more intimate level? And um, I just one more aside. Um, so the guy I talked with earlier this week, who's got this beautiful, you know, uplifting spirit and, um, you know, lighthearted and just, yeah. Uh, Chef Kabui is his name and he's uh, from Kenya and he's got these. So he spoke at uh, the event last year where 70 folks came to during Black History Month and he shared these stories of, you know, hardship, you know, his, his father's friends all being massacred and, and him surviving that massacre um, in Kenya. And then, you know, the, the village coming together and funding him to come to the United States to come to school. And, and then he gets his girlfriend pregnant. <laughs> anyway, he's got a million stories and he's at all very hope filled. And um, so he, I mentioned 95% of his business went away and, and he decides to start a farm in Kenya, you know, with the goal of helping young men and women um, starting their own food businesses, you know, uh, connected to this uh, farm and a retreat center and and so he's just super inspiring. Uh, so we're actually going to do a one-year anniversary of this event we did last year, and it's going to be a cooking class, actually. Nice. So he's going he's to walk people through, you know, cooking a, a classic Kenyan, you know, uh, food. And we may mail unique spices um, to folks ahead of time, um, but certainly the recipe and, and the shopping list ahead of time, and then he'll take us through, you know, creating a Kenyan meal. So we're going to do that in February, um, a one-year anniversary. And, and he's just so amazing, like in terms of an inspiring um, speaker on Black history and on, you know, the value of food and, and how food is a part of our cultures and how when we share, you know, a food, it's sharing culture. And he's, it's just like that event last year was so inspiring. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it again this year. Well, let me uh, let me close with that then. Um, tell us where we can find out more about this event. Is it a local event or is it a nationwide event? Well, it'll be actually it could it'll be international actually because it'll be you know it'll be a Zoom and he's going to do it from his kitchen. Um, in Kenya? Gonna, yeah, no. Um, he's actually he lives in uh, North Carolina. Okay. And, uh, so, uh, so he's going to do it from North Carolina. It's going to be a Zoom call. Um, we're going to be able to mail. We won't mail uh, all of the ingredients. There'll be a shopping list that folks can buy ahead of time. Uh, there may be unique spices that we mail. Um, but yeah, so anybody certainly across the U.S. can, uh, can join in. Will that be on your website? And that'll be on our website, yeah. Awesome. Openkitchensproject.com. Openkitchensproject.com. Yeah. So this was My just happened a few Paul days ago. Castiglione. Go ahead. Sorry, this just uh, came up <laughs> this week. I mean, this is one of those connective yeah. calls and who knows where it leads. In this case, it led to this kind of, we're going to do another event. So you it'll be up next week. Step, right? The grand experiment continues. And hold on loosely to our plans and see what emerges as we keep taking steps. Wow. Well, it is a, it is a blessing to talk to you. Uh, I hope that everybody on this call has uh, taken away one or two nuggets that encourages them in their journey. And uh, I appreciate your courage. You're one of the most courageous men I know. I know you'll deflect that, um, but you are. And um, 
I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for taking the time, brother. Again, uh, Paul Castiglione, um, first time I met him, uh, Castiglione is how I pronounced it. And he goes, no, it's Castiglione. Yeah, the Italian. The Italian. The Italian. Yo. Yeah. yeah. The crazy yeah. Uncle Joe. Crazy Uncle Joe. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget the the day I lost my wallet in Philly, and um, how you just walked alongside of me and encouraged me, brother. You you are such an encouragement to so many. Um, and I found my wallet, so it was all good. But <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate you. You're so lighthearted. I know you don't see that, but man, you got me laughing. I've, I've enjoyed knowing you, man. Good. Good. Well, we need to laugh more, there's no doubt. Well, uh, thanks again for watching and uh, look forward to connecting with all of you in our next episode. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, fellow dreamer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all the show notes and links. And remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.